When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. What's shaking, Wolfpack fans? John Ramey with you. Wolfpack Weekly Podcast. Good show on tap. We talked to Kendall Stovall, who is second all-time in saves, second all-time in shutouts in Nevada soccer history. Wolfpack soccer in the thick of the conference season right now, playing at San Jose State tomorrow night. We'll hear from Kendall Stovall. The volleyball team is home finally after 13 matches away from Northern Nevada to open the season. We'll talk to head coach Lee Nelson. The pack comes home at 7-6. and six. They bring a winning record to their home opener against Utah State tomorrow night at Virginia Street Gym. So we'll talk to Coach Nelson about his team's big turnaround from a season ago. And also Brendan Bray, the swim coach, talks about swim team's upcoming event at Pacific this Saturday. We'll also talk about the diving team. They're not in action this weekend, but big news there. So Coach Brendan Bray from Swimming and Diving on tap as well. But first, let's start with Kendall Stovall, who could be very close to establishing her legacy as the GOAT in Nevada goalkeeper history. The nil-nil draw with Boise State was Kendall Stovall's 11th career shutout or clean sheet in soccer parlance. Um, what do you think of? How does that sound to you? 11 career shutouts, second most all-time in the history of Nevada soccer. Yeah, um, I think it's huge. I mean, it was a huge team shutout. I can say that for sure. It was not on me. 
Um, I can say that Lauren Moss, um, Sona Kinnaman, they had a huge part in getting that this past year's, um, this past year's, this past Boise game shut up. But just overall, hearing that I'm like second overall behind Kelsey, who's an academic advisor here, it's just, it's just insane. I mean, shutouts are hard to get, especially as a goalkeeper, as a team in general in soccer, especially with the Mountain West being as tight as it is, especially this year. So it's been, it's been ridiculous. I, I'm very proud of this past um, game shutout. It was, it was a really tough grind on this one. You have been with the program now as a super senior. You've been through a significant upsweep, a, a positive trend, and, and you've been through some tough seasons. Last year, I think, was the real turning point, right, when you guys were right in it in, in seemingly every conference match. Um, yeah. Is that kind of where the, 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 the turning of the corner was for you? Uh, yeah, personally, I think me and the program in its whole had its whole turning point last year. I mean, we went from having, I think my freshman year, we won one game and lost 10 straight. And then my sophomore year, I think it went up to two. And then last year, us being one point away from the Mountain West, like this, this is insane. Like we were, we went from being absolutely dead last in the conference to now being one point away from making it to the tournament. And I think this year we're really going to change it up. We already had our second game, huge game against Boise State and they're always a top competitor in the Mountain West. And the fact that we got a tie out of them is huge. And I really do think we could have came out with the win in that game, but it was a tough game all around. They, they were tough. We were tough. And it went to show that it, it was a draw. And I think we were very evenly matched. So, yeah, I think we're very dangerous this year. We're a very dangerous team. And I think um, in regards to myself, I, I knew I had more to give, especially for the program and a huge part of the reason why I took my fifth year I just really I'm, I'm craving going to that tournament um I could see that we were right on the edge of it last year and I was like man like I don't think my story's done yet so I decided to come back how did Kendall Stovall come to the Wolfpack oh man that is a that is a fun question so there, it, it took a lot of moving parts for me to get here um I think initially um the coaching staff was just very kind to me, amazing, um, fit my personality really well. We had a great understanding of each other. And then I just think the environment in general, I visited campus. Um, I think I was a junior in high school. And, and where were you I in really high school? Loved, I was at Kamehameha in Hawaii. Yeah, so um, had quite a good season there. We won our um, ILH championship. So I was coming hot off of like a bunch of wins and I was like, you know what? I need to go to a program that I feel like um, best fits me at the time, my personality, my playing style, everything about me. And with Lake Tahoe being so close, being a Hawaii girl, I love that body of water, nice and close to me. Um, just the weather, the people, even the Reno people in general, not just my soccer team, they all seem to fit me um, as my personality. So I was like, you know what? I think Reno's a fit for me. And I've been here now five years, so I think I made the right choice. I wanted you to mention, A, that you're from Hawaii, but Kamehameha is one of the most celebrated mm-hmm. um, schools. Um, oh, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about that, her- that heritage, that tradition, um, because, you know, I cover a lot of sports, and I see that high school on mm-hmm. rosters for a ton of different sports. Oh, yeah. Um, Kamehameha is a huge um, high school. It's kindergarten through um, 12th grade. And it's actually really like a pristine 
private school. So it's very hard to get in. You have to be um, of Hawaiian descent to even qualify to get into the school. And it's Hawaiian preference. Other people can get in, but they, they give priority to um, the native Hawaiians. And when you do get into that school, they basically have, I think it's about like four, five or six districts on um, the island. And they take about um, seven people from one district, 14 from the other. So it's not, it's not very many. And my graduation class was about like 200, if even. And it is, it is seen as such an honor. You go back to Hawaii and they ask you what school you went to. And you said, hey, I went to, yeah, I graduated from Kamehameha. They're like, wow, Kamehameha. Like you, that's crazy, congratulations. And a lot of people don't get the weight of that here um, in the mainland, but sports-wise as well, um, Kamehameha is very known for their um, Christian soccer program, actually. They go to states every year, they win states, they win ILH championships, all that type of stuff. So it's, it's, they have a lot of accolades coming out of Kamehameha, education-wise as well. So I know for football, for a bunch of other sports that you see a lot of Kamehameha trends throughout um all around the world and i love seeing it yeah i see it on uh football rosters soccer rosters baseball rosters like yeah it's i'm glad you you spoke on that because um it's it's definitely something that i think is not necessarily appreciated on the mainland oh yeah um being hawaiian is um rare nowadays so it's, it's nice to see that um there's a whole school dedicated to our people and appreciation and even when you go to that school you have Hawaiian history class, you have to take two years of Hawaiian language. So I can still um, understand and speak Hawaiian to this day and you practice it and you do all these types of things. We have a proficiency test to make sure that you can speak enough Hawaiian to like pass it on to generations, basically just keeping what's left of that Hawaiian history alive. How have you evolved as a player with the silver and blue? You've always had a reputation as um, somebody with explosive athletic ability and and spectacular saves are your kind of your calling card but in talking to coach Odagaki she says you have you know that's kind of always been the constant but that you've gotten better in other areas is that oh, yeah. how you feel about it and and what are those other areas oh yeah I completely agree so the physical aspect of my playing has always been there I've always been a very um physically gifted person thank the lord it was nice um to have that gift at birth but the real challenge I had, and this always started since I was young, was up here. It was, it was my mental game. And um, it was really hard to switch that in my head because I put a lot of those losses, I put a lot of those feelings all on myself. And I really got into my head about it. And I would like cry after games, I'd get frustrated. I'd get frustrated during practice if I wasn't um, playing up to the level I felt like I could play to. And it really affected how I played overall. It actually kind of backfired on me because I would just be this emotional wreck of a player that like, if one thing set me off, I'd be on this roller coaster. And I don't know whether it's going to be good for me or whether it's going to be bad. Cause sometimes I get, it fuels my fire and I play better because I'm pissed off or sometimes I play way worse because I'm like in my head about it. So over the past five years with um, coach EO, we really focused not really on my physical ability because it's always been there, but on my mental aspect and how I could, turn the, these insane roller coaster rides into just being like a constant and using it as a positive. So um, like nowadays, every time I get scored on, every time I um, do something or I feel like I messed up instead of like, so 
throwing this huge fit or like being like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. I'm like, hey, like take a breath, like it's fine. Focus on the next play. And that's really actually evolved me overall as a player. Now I can see that myself, like I'm more consistent in what I do. I um, can give more results to the team. I can help our defense stay level-headed as well because the team would get affected by um, how emotional I would get. So that was a huge, huge, huge piece that I was missing in my game. And I feel like changing that has changed the game for me entirely. And I think you could see that um, just watching these past couple of games um, in conference. And, you know, it, it was for the best. And I'm glad it was a, it was a very um, <laughs> tough road to go down, but one that I really needed. I retired as a soccer player in about second grade. So I've never really thought of myself as somebody who um, could play the game. But when I talk to coach EO, Mm -hmm. I get the sense that I would absolutely run through a wall for her. Um, What does she like to play for? I, I, I genuinely feel the motivational vibes just like radiating off her. And, and, and I, I'm curious if it's like that for the players. Oh yeah. I mean, you can ask anybody on the team. I don't think anybody on or off the field wants to win more than coach EO. Um, She's so driven. So like powered by just passion for the game that she will tell us like, if you don't have the motivation or whatever, what can I do to give you that motivation? And like, what can we do to help you get there? Or like, what do you need from me? So it's always, she always takes accountability. She takes leadership in a lot of things that she does. And I think um, that's helped our team um, really find the drive and motivation to be like, okay, you know what? I admire that. I need to be that leader for the team because you can't do everything on the field. That's on us. We have to be those leaders off um, on the field because she can only be it off the field and she can only help us so much. We have to do it for ourselves. So I think she's just a good example for what we need to do when we're on the field. We need to have that passion. We need to have that want, that drive to win. And I think she does set that good example for us. Kendall Stovall, is there anything uh, you want to speak on that I've not asked you about? Oh, man. Um, No pressure. Oh, yeah, no pressure. Um, Now I'm just really, really excited for the season. I think we have a really amazing group of girls. And I think we're going to see some amazing games this season some very entertaining games and I think this is the best soccer I've played in the past five years of being here and that's been a lot I've been here for a while and I really do think this is the the top of Nevada women's soccer at least that I've seen and I've come and watched games even before I I um got here it was when I was even considering the school I was watching the soccer and I can say that this year has been the best overall and I just think our individual players have been stronger. I think we have some very, very key players that um, have been such a key to the game lately. But the greatest thing is our team is so deep that this key player changes almost every game. So, like, you'll see, like, in the beginning, it was, like, for example, like, Luce. Luce was our key player in the beginning of the season. She was scoring all of our goals. And then before that, it was Emily Rich. Emily Rich does all the work. She gets all those assists she just broke the like assist record here and then now you're seeing like Laskin Lauren Muff she um saved our butts out there then you're seeing people like Brooklyn Blake creating plays and then you're seeing people like Zona Kinnaman who's 
putting her body on the line to like really get those balls out. And I just think it's, it's people like that and um, girls like that, that you can see are just evolving the, the game of soccer here. And it's amazing. I love seeing that as a different person every single game. So that's just how you know it's great soccer being played here. Sorry, one last question. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you. We talked about your second all-time in, in shutouts, but mm-hmm. um, you're, you're there on the uh, career saves list as well. I actually don't have the numbers in front of me. Do you think about where you are on that list and, and the legacy you will leave and things of that nature? Maybe I, I believe you could overtake it this year, right? Yeah, so um, maybe being curious as to um, how close I could get yeah. to even beating it before I even, before I even started the season, you know, I did some, I crunched some numbers. I was like, ah, oh, how many saves could I, would I have to make a game to like beat this record and stuff. And I think it stood at about four, four games to save every game to um, essentially beat the record. And I said it in an interview before, but I would love, I like, I would love nothing more than to leave that legacy behind and, my name's in the record books is number one. I mean, I wear number one, so it'd be kind of ironic, kind of fun. And I love it. I love the sound of that. And I'm so driven to do it. But at the end of the day, for me, nothing's going to be better than just making it through the tournament. I mean, if that sacrifices the like record for me and I get to make it to the tournament because I have to do less, like truthfully, I want to not touch the ball every game. Like, <laughs> that is the best thing that could ever happen to a goalkeeper. You do nothing. And it's like, Oh, this is a perfect game. We've got to shut up. We've won the game. Didn't even have to do anything. Best case scenario. If I could do that for the rest of the season and we go to the tournament, we do amazing, all that type of stuff. I am okay with staying at, at second, but it would be nice overall. I can't lie. It would be amazing to beat that record, but I would trade it for a Mountain West tournament opportunity. Absolutely. That's Nevada goalkeeper Kendall Stovall, second all-time in shutouts, second all-time in saves in the history of Nevada soccer, Wolfpack soccer, playing at San Jose State in Mountain West action at 7 o'clock tomorrow night, Thursday, September 29th. After a winless conference season last year, volleyball is 7-6, and 1-1 one and one in the conference, and after 13 matches away from home to open the regular year, Nevada hosts Utah State tomorrow night, 6 o'clock at the Virginia Street Gym. I caught up with head coach Lee Nelson. Lee Nelson, I look at your record of seven and six overall, one and one in conference, and you finally get to play a home match. That's coming up tomorrow, Thursday, the 29th. You host Utah State at Virginia Street Gym, the friendly confines, six o'clock start. It's got to feel good to bring a winning record home for your program and your fans. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I think the team's kind of wearing it a little bit. I think, what do we have? Three, six, nine, 10, 11, 13 matches in a row on the road. Start us off. Um, 
and you know, as, as you know, you have to be able to win on the road. You can't just win at home. Um, so they clearly got tested with that. And, um, but I think they're ready, including the staff to, you know, uh, not hop on a plane tomorrow to go somewhere and figure out where a hotel is and all that. And certainly that's part of it, but the chance to come home, uh, having played some good teams and beaten some good teams on their floor and now a chance to, uh, play and defend our own floor and you talked about it friendly confines absolutely uh, i think they're all ready to to get it going in our home gym tell me about your last two matches uh on thursday the 22nd this past thursday you won in five sets at fresno state and then uh you lost in four sets at san diego state this past saturday it's not ideal but if you're playing 500 on the road in conference that's that's okay right you know we talked a little bit about it last time is that can we always get on the floor and go compete and then we'll just kind of let the cards fall where they may and um i thought we did a really good job against fresno we haven't won there and and forever uh so that was a good solid win i felt comfortable and, and confident that whole match that we we were gonna take it and be in control of it so was obviously really happy at Fresno. San Diego, I think we started started a little slow, kind of some bumps in the road, never really found our rhythm, uh, put it together for a while, uh, and then we're up 23-20 in that fourth set to force a fifth set. Um, and then just, you know, San Diego played tough. We made a, a couple, you know, miscues, and then it was over. Uh, so we really were in both. We could have won both, and so it's a little hard to be satisfied with one and one, but at the same time, you know, uh, San Diego's tough. They've got some good players. It's hard to win on the road that much. And so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all right with the one and one because we, we played hard. And um, it's just a little frustrating that we didn't come with both because we could have. Um, but that's the way of it sometimes. Was your competitive performance in both matches to open conference play indicative of the growth you saw in the non-conference, you know, going to places like Gonzaga, and Cal and winning and splitting at Oklahoma? I think so. You know, we, we sat down. Uh, I can remember vividly in a timeout, I think we we're up like 13-11 in the fifth set. Um, you know, we were only about two, three minutes left in the match, right? It's all going to be decided in the next couple of plays. And talking to the team during the timeout and, and just how dialed in they were. You know, they, they were all about it. And let's go, let's go get this done. Um, and I think that wasn't there when we first started, and that is very much indicative of the growth of the confidence of, hey, we beat Cal at Cal. We can beat Fresno at Fresno. Let's go do this. Um, let's make it happen. And them being very focused. And they're, they're a bunch of knuckleheads in a lot of ways, like just upbeat and funny and goofy. Uh, and I say that in the best kind of uh, uh, description. Uh, but at crunch time, man, they were locked in. They were absolutely locked in. Like, what do we got to do? Let's go do it. So I think that growth, uh, we're absolutely seeing it. When you talk about the personality of your team and, and their ability to stay loose, but also be at their competitive best in the in the highest pressure moments, is roundabout now generally when you get a sense of who your team is and their identity and their personality? Because I assume it's different every year. You know, it, it is different. Um, and we had so many new people. It, it, it takes a little while for everybody to kind of to gel. But um, 
we had had some pretty intense meetings uh, as a team before we even started playing non-conference. And that really set the table for us to, to kind of feel comfortable with each other and, and really get a sense of who we were, uh, broke down some, some walls to really get uh, to the identities of the individuals on this team. So we, we kind of got a jump start with that this year. Um, so I had a sense of it before we even started playing. It wasn't until really the Portland match, which was the first week, which we lost in five, but scored more points than Portland, that I really had a sense that, all right, I think this team uh, has it in them to really put some stuff together. Uh, we just didn't get the W. So then that next week we went 3-0. and um, I was like, all right, now we're, now we're starting to really see it. So saw it pretty early, um, but in crunch time, you really get a sense of it. Uh, it's easy to, to play loose and free when, you know, if you're up 20, 13 or something, but 13, 12, 13, 11, that's a little bit different. Um, and, and they were really kind of showed who they were. And, and yeah, I like, I like what I'm seeing with it a lot. So you guys have two home matches, six o'clock start tomorrow, Thursday, September 29th. That's against Utah state. And then an 11 AM start on Saturday, October 1st against Boise state. Those are two great Mountain West rivalries. And you and I know what the environment's like in Virginia Street Gym. It's one of the great, venerable, you know, very cozy uh, venues. It's a classic college uh, arena, a gym, really. So for those who don't know, uh, tell us a little bit about the magic and why it's such a special place to to see a match. Yeah, you know, it it really is a good – a good spot to, to host and to be our home floor. Uh, part of it because you're you're a part of the action. You're right there. You're seeing what the players are doing, uh, where they're laying it out. You know, it, it's not like you go to some venues and you, you get a better view when you watch it on TV, right? So you're you're a part of it. You know, sometimes the balls are coming into the crowd because they're pretty close. Uh, and it is venerable is a good word. It, there's a certain history there. There's a, a certain feeling of. Quite a few people have been in there and sweat on that floor and, and played hard in that gym. Uh, that there's a there's there is a history there and it and it is fun. And when we get it where there's a ton of people and we're playing well, uh, there's just an electricity in there that uh, is is compelling and, and fun to be a part of. So I know our our players are really happy to to be home and we're going to have our hands full with both of those teams. Uh, you know they've each beat some quality opponents in the Power Five. Uh, so knowing that we're going to walk over, uh, we're going to have to play well against both uh, and compete the whole time to, to be in those. But, man, when you're playing against teams like that in your home gym and you're feeling electricity, I mean, what else do you want to be doing at that point? It's really, I think, in some ways why you get into to sports is to have those opportunities. It is really – it's it's kind of blows my mind every fall right about this time when, when football gets into conference, when soccer gets into conference, when you guys get into conference – you know, these players, the student athletes aren't that old, right? So, but somehow they absorb the kind of generational decades old grudges and suddenly they're just like magically a part of it. Yeah. You know, uh, I think they, they come on their recruiting visits. There's potential. They watched some matches before they even came to school. And, uh, you know, you do get caught up in it. And and we've talked about it before, but Kayla Foy, this is her sixth season, right? Coming off that injury. Uh, she's has some history with some of these teams. She remembers some of these matches there in a way that, that uh, I think viscerally that can kind of start her motor. And, and uh, she's such an important leader on our team that I think you can't not feel that and feel the importance of it, of 
hey, this is for her. This is the last chance she gets to play those teams here, um, short of there being another pandemic or something like that, which uh, – but my expectation is this will be her last season. But, um, yeah, there, there is the history, and, and you feel it, and some of the older players remember it and have lived it, um, and certainly in the staff. So, yeah, you, you get on board right away, and, and that's part of what makes it so much fun is that history and, and trying to write the next chapter. That's head coach Lee Nelson. Go check out the Wolfpack volleyball team. Seven and six, a winning record. A dramatic turnaround from just a three-win season last year. They host Utah State tomorrow night at 6 o'clock at Virginia Street Gym. The swim team head coach Brendan Bray, a Reno High School Husky, a Washington Husky, and the head coach at the University of Nevada. His swim team in action this Saturday October 1st in Stockton, California against the Pacific Tigers, part of the Pacific Invitational that taking place Saturday and Sunday. His team already saw some action in the Silver and Blue Interest Squad, and they have an alumni meet coming up on Saturday, October 8th, and they'll be tailgating ahead of the Colorado State game for football. The swim and dive tailgate on Friday night, October 7th. We talked about all those things with the head coach, Brendan Bray. Coach Brendan Bray, who is uh, two times a Husky and once a member of the Wolfpack, current current and forever uh, head coach, swimming and diving. And the swim team is in action uh, this coming Saturday. And on Saturday, October 1st, you guys are at the Pacific Invitational just over the hill in Stockton. And uh, that's the start of the fall season, right? Yeah, it is. So early season as a swim coach, what you try to do is get some competitions that are a little irregular, maybe not uh, the format that you'd have in terms of a showdown. Like when we have a dual meet, that's kind of a showdown us against somebody else. The Pacific invite, as most of our early season meets are, are about getting reps in. You know, we just want to get races. We want to get a baseline. Uh, we want to feel like not necessarily at our best swimming. You know, we we started the season a little out of shape. We had a week of smoke where, you know, we weren't able to get in the, you know, a lot of people talk about the outdoors, but we had smoke inside. Right. And so uh, even if it was technically okay for us to swim, I'm not going to get much work done in an endurance sport when, you know, people are coughing and can't get anything done. So we, we really kind of had a week set back there on, on that smoke. Um, but we've, we've had a solid two weeks since then. And then this will be our first kind of, you know, start of our baseline of our season. We'll swim a lot of different races. We'll get a chance to see where we are. We have friendly rivalries with our, you know, teams in the North uh, Northern California. It's important to be able to get out there because of the cost. You know, we can drive rather than fly to other places. So um, I'm, I'm really happy that the UOP team's hosting us. And, and uh, we have a longstanding, you know, we're going to be in East Bay uh, the third week of, of September. Uh, excuse me, of October, and, uh, and and swim against Davis also. So a lot, a lot of fun stuff coming up the, uh, this month. How was the silver and blue uh, intra squad? Yeah, it was fun. So we had a bunch of recruits on campus, a, a big group. And so it was a fun event. We had lots of stuff going on. We had a scavenger hunt. We had some fun events. The best part of it probably had to do with our divers, though. Our divers did a synchro event, and then they raced, John. They actually had a hey. 25 race. And so it's 
Is that like really pitchers gets, trying to hit? Is that like pitchers yeah, getting advantage? Yeah, it is, exactly. <laughs> so a lot of them, you know, a lot of them have a little bit of a swim background, but, uh, you know, it was pretty fun to see that Bailey was actually the champion of that, the 25. And so you never know. Sometimes there's a swim background where you're thinking like, boy, she almost was at that point where she could have been a swimmer or a diver, you know? Wow. Yeah. But your divers aren't competing uh, at Pacific this uh, weekend upcoming. Yeah. So, so this, this is a super special year for our diving team. And I just want to kind of go through some of the people that are on the team. It is, it is about as loaded as it has ever been. Uh, we have had historically an incredible diving team. Uh, my first year here, we actually had the um, national champion on our team, the NCAA champion, Sheree Zhang. I think Sheree, if people you know didn't realize it, I think she's the only national champion in any program at Nevada in any sport. And then she she followed that up with second place finishes. I mean, it's incredible. She single-handedly uh, had our team finish 20th in the country because of her finish. So we just to put it in perspective, I think our team is deeper than it was when Sheree was on the team right now. Um, we have Krista Palmer who's coming back and starting to get ready for her uh, Olympic year. So she had uh, some injury and is, is getting ready to come back. She's our volunteer coach, but the NCAA allows Krista to dive with our team. So our divers get to dive with, you know, the arguably the second or third best diver in the world. I mean, that's uh, amazing. A huge thing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Jen Lee, as we, uh, you know, most people know was selected as the first woman in the history of USA diving on the Olympic team to be a coach. I mean, that's, that's just unbelievable. Right. Um, and so then to talk about our additions on our team, we, we have a really great uh, diver from Jen Lee's club whose mother works in the university, has a long lineage of uh, kind of Wolfpack history. Her name's Danny, and we're really excited to have her. But another addition we had is um, we actually had the Mountain West Diver of the Year. She scored in NCAAs, and she single-handedly had Wyoming in the top 30 at NCAAs because of her performance. She transferred to us uh, this year. So Melissa was one of the champions on the, on the platform. We have the returning champion, Bailey who was won the one meter and then we have Isa who is in her fifth year Isa um has won the three meters so we've had three different people win individual events at the conference meet and we don't have like somebody on the squad who won NCAAs or is an NCAA champion but this is as deep of a diving squad as we we've ever had we have just four five elite level divers that have you know been at NCAAs or or have in, in a contention to win an event at conference or have won it. So we're really excited for them. Jen Lee is still training them. She kind of believes in them performing when they're confident and they're fit. Uh, you think diving, you just dive off the board and you just kind of enter into the water and, and uh, there's not a lot of fitness necessarily to it. Well, that's just totally opposite of what you would think. I mean, our, our divers work just as hard as our swimmers and, and endurance. They're running on the deck at six in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with us at swimming. So we're really a, a you know com, uh, connected team. We train at the same time. We're, we're there at the same time. We train hard and uh, diving and swimming at Nevada is really, really close together. Are you guys getting these transfers, these successful transfers from within the conference in part because of Coach Lee's illustrious credentials? I mean, is it working like a magnet? <laughs> she, I mean, she's, she's one of the most respected coaches in the world. I, I've said this before, but we're just so lucky. I don't think anybody realizes what her impact has been on this team. You know, and I – 
she gets embarrassed. She's very humble. So she will never like really say that. But I feel like it's my job to kind of promote that. But even in the 1990s, I, I think, John, if you were to look back on the history of, you know, competitive teams at Nevada, this team for a three or four year period was ranked 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th in the country. We had the NCAA champion uh, in the in the butterfly and Olympic silver medalist. We had a rich tradition of Chinese swimmers. And a lot of people think, oh, Chinese swimming. Right. So that that was the swim coach recruiting them. Well, it was not. It was Jen Lee, our diving coach, you know, uh, connecting and, and part. She was a world class diver herself. She she was on the boycotted 1980 uh, a Chinese team. Jen Lee was the top diver in the world um, and she didn't get to compete in, in there. So uh, there's a small group of Chinese diving coaches that are in the U.S. There's one at USC. There's one at Minnesota and Jen Lee. There's a, a few others, but those are the um, very respected in terms of best coaches in the country in diving. And she's one of those, you know, in that illustrious group. And so I just don't think people realize what that level is. And uh, her respect goes to the very highest level um, of, of diving. And for her to do what she did with Krista, where, um, you know, John, we don't have an Olympic quality facility here. You know, we don't even have access to our pool outside of our little practice times that we have. She got Krista to arguably, you know, maybe second best in the world. And Krista was a gymnast and didn't dive as a young girl. And these Chinese divers that she's competing against, Against have 24-7 job of, you know, seven days a week, 12 hours a day in the best facilities in the world for diving. And Jen Lee was able to put somebody up to compete against them at that level. And so it, it's incredible. Um, it, you know, it's an incredible story. We're so lucky to have her here and our divers love her. She's working them hard. She's going to get great performances out of them. Last year, we had five divers in the, in the A final the conference, which is unheard of. It's unprecedented. Nobody's ever done that before. And it's just every two to three years, there's some new thing that happens. It's just, you know, it's, it's shocking in itself. And especially when you look at the, the body of work. So, so I, I'm not going to, um, I'm going to assume that the shorter answer to my question is yes, even though you're not specifically saying it, it would be impossible for, uh, Coach Lee's credentials to not have some influence on folks wanting to transfer into the silver and blue. <laughs> I, I, I think there's instantaneous respect. Sure. And, and uh, I guess you can't general, really comment specifically on that. I, I, I can't exactly, but right. I can tell you that our recruiting is different. I'm begging and pleading and doing everything I can to get somebody to come here and generally um, plays kind of hard to get and is able to get <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like why her her thing is why should I have you on my team? My thing is like please come on our team. I like, you know it's really good. We really like it. So um, she's earned that over her time. But um, her yeah, it's a desirable place to go. It needs to be the right fit. It needs to be somebody who's going to work hard and is willing to you know push themselves hard. And uh, it's not for the faint of heart in her program, but you know it's uh, finding that fit. Like I think you know in the conference, the top diver in the conference transferred here. I think she saw that and. It was appealing to her to be here. Uh, so, John, we're having our alumni event. It's going to be the CSU football game. We're really excited. We're trying to promote that. We've got a tailgate going. Uh, we have various ways that we send information out to all of our alums. But if there is anyone listening, we encourage you to come to, to campus uh, to the tailgate. We have some discounted tickets available that will be going out uh, you know, through our various uh, social media and uh, e email channels. The next day at 9 o'clock, we're going to have a fun event. It's going to be short 45 minutes where you can swim a 50 of any stroke just kind of down and back we 
encourage children and anybody else who wants to come in to, to do it associated with our team. So we're trying to promote the heck out of that and get people back to campus. And I got feedback that they wanted around a football game. And, you know, John, I think I chose a good one. Wouldn't you say? I think you did. <laughs> He's the head coach of the swim team, Brendan Bray, talking about the PAC swim teams event on Saturday, October 1st at the University of the Pacific. And remember, football tailgate on Friday night for the swim and dive team, October 7th, 7.30 kickoff, Colorado State and Mackey Stadium. Check out the swim and dive tailgate. And then check out the swim and dive alumni meet on October 8th at 9 o'clock at Lombardi Pool on the University of Nevada campus. So the alumni meet coming up on October 8th after the Friday night, October 7th football tailgate for Swim and Dive. Thanks to Brendan Bray. Thank you to Lee Nelson from the volleyball team. And thanks to Kendall Stovall from the soccer team for joining us on this Wolfpack Weekly Podcast. By week four, Nevada football, they're back in action, as we mentioned. Next Friday, October 7th, they welcome Jay Norvell and the Colorado State Rams back to Mackey Stadium. Be sure to check out the Wolfpack Coaches Show with Ken Wilson coming up on Thursday, October 6th at 12.30 from Brew Brothers at the Row. Join me and Coach Wilson, 12.30, or listen to it on 94.5 ESPN Radio. Until then, so long. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.